You might not realize it, but we are exposed to dozens of hazards every day. Can any of these hazards negatively impact your health? Definitely. This is the Exposure Scientist Podcast. My name is Alex LeBeau, and here we answer your questions and concerns on what you may be exposed to every day. Welcome to the Exposure Scientist Podcast. The views expressed in this podcast may not be those of the host or management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered health advice. It is recommended that you consult an exposure scientist to discuss the particulars of your exposure scenario. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Exposure Scientist podcast. Our guest is Eliza Arizari Colon. Liza is an industrial hygiene specialist at the agency at the Kennedy Space Center, uh, the Agency for Occupational Health. She is also a recent graduate from the University of South Florida College of Public Health with her Master's of Science in Occupational Exposure Science, what we're here to talk about today, but generally industrial hygiene. Liza, welcome to the program today. Thank you for having me here. And just wanted to say a disclaimer before we start. Um, The the views expressed in this presentation or podcast are those of the author, me, and do not necessarily reflect the uh, official policy or stance of NASA. So just want to put that out there. (laughs) Sure, and I appreciate that. And I invited Liza here today because I had some interactions with her when I was doing some uh, talking to the agency from the uh, American Industrial Hygiene side of things. And it came to my thought and my ideas, how do we... As exposure scientists, industrial hygienists, toxicologists, however you want to view us, get to where we are in our careers. So Eliza, being a very recent graduate, uh, she graduated in December of 2023, I wanted to get her perspective on where she got to from at this point, where she is as far as an early career individual in the exposure scientist realm. So, Eliza, the first thing I want to kind of understand is, can you give us a general background on yourself, where you're from, how you how you kind of came to at least, you know, where you are today in a, in a broad overview summary? Yes, thank you. So, I'm from Caguas, Puerto Rico. Um, I was born and raised there till I was 13. I came to Florida um, around eighth grade, ninth grade. So my experience was mostly high school here. And I had multiple culture clashes. My English was not as well as it is now. Um, So the language barrier was a struggle. But the reason why my parents moved us to Florida was to seek better education. And so my goal was to make it like make it a reality for them. Like, that's my way of thanking them. So from there, I was able to obtain a full ride scholarship from the Bailey Family Foundation, and I was able to pursue my, uh, a degree at HCC, an AA degree in allied health, as well as my bachelor's at USF because I transferred, and I obtained my bachelor's of science in public health. No specific concentration because there's a vast <laughs> of um, options in public health, but through my journey and uh, time at USF, I came to realize later on through internships that IH was the route I wanted to take. Sure. And it takes, you know, and I'll, I'm going to interject some of my experience here as well Is you know, it, it, from talking with a lot of people, 
you know, this is not something that you you talk to your guidance counselors within high school and say, you know, I want to be an industrial hygienist. You know, not many people hear that terminology and understand it and understand that, you know, our, our the goal of ensuring a safe and healthy workplace is what industrial hygiene does. You know, you hear about health and safety, you, you kind of talk about it in a, in a roundabout way. But so what was your you know, if you were, if you did the bachelor's at University of South Florida for public health, what was, were, was, inter, was industrial hygiene kind of interjected in those classes or just the general concept of exposure science? How, how did you kind of elevate yourself to say, I want to be an industrial hygienist? So for my bachelor's in public health at USF, I did not specifically like was told by advisors or professors industrial hygiene is the way to go. Um, that wasn't really highlighted, except the OSHA courses that USF has to offer. Um, so it was a lot of environmental health and safety, health or safety. It was never specifically for industrial hygiene. How I came about it was towards the end of my bachelor's degree, I applied for a internship as an environmental health and safety specialist at a manufacturing facility. And my mentor was an IH. His name is Wayman Aldridge. And he taught me about the how to assess equipment, how to use the equipment for monitoring, um, taking samples such as like wipe samples, air sampling, personal and area samples, mold samples, all kinds of stuff. And I realized that the difference between EHS and IH is just a matter of the analytical and hands-on experience. So he introduced me to Adele Murray, who went through the USF program and who also graduated. So kudos to her. Um, and she helped me get in contact with Stephen Malneric, who was the director of the IH program at USF. And I was able to communicate with him if there was any grants or any association related to this program, because that was the only way that I would be financially stable to continue my studies. And he mentioned the NIOSH ERC grant, and he helped me with the process and the application, which wasn't easy <laughs> at all, but completely worth it. Because at the end of the day, um, I was accepted into the program and I received the NIOSH grant. And that was a, a little summary how I came about to IH program. No, I think we all have, you know, interesting backgrounds to get there. You know, just a quick aside, when I started off in undergrad at the University of Florida, uh, I was uh, I was pre-vet. I was animal science. I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then as time went on, I saw that it wasn't the path that I wanted to do. And I was exposed to someone who was in the master's MPH program at UF who was getting her epi epidemiological degree. So I said, you know, EPI sounds like something I want to do. So I went down to USF. I started in the EPI program, but I also, as you just mentioned, started working at the ERC. It's called the Sunshine ERC, Education and Research Center at the University of South Florida. And I was working in the continuing education department there. And when those people brought in continuing education uh, it's course instructors, they were all industrial hygienists and toxicologists. And that's how I got introduced to it. I started taking some classes and said, this is more my style. 
You know, it, it's not, I don't think a lot of people set off into saying, I want to do industrial hygiene. It's kind of, they're steered into it for a certain way and certain exposures and, and, and not, it's because not many people know the existence of them. You know, industrial hygiene has been around 70, 80 years, 90 years. You know, not many people say, you know, what is this big program? Because nobody really knows about it. So it's interesting how you got there. I always like to hear different perspectives and let people know that there are other options besides, you know, just basic science. So when you were in the undergraduate studies program and you got introduced into these uh, field study kind of scenarios, you know, did they... Did they kind of suggest to you an undergraduate, hey, you know, we have a graduate program. You should explore this at all. Exposure science covers a broad subject area, including toxicology, industrial hygiene and risk assessment. From occupational, community or environmental exposure, exposure scientists apply scientific methodologies to understand exposure risks and apply controls when necessary. We at Exposure Assessment Consulting have this expertise. Please reach out to us at info at exposureconsulting.com for a free 15-minute consultation to discuss the specifics of your exposure scenario. So, no, they did not highlight IH. But yes, they highlighted the main ones like epidemiology, biostatistics, the obvious one that everyone pursues. Um, USF does have OSHA courses, so they highlighted some of those certifications, but not really the IH program. And what I come to realize was that it's not a big cohort. It's probably a handful of people that go through the program, and so not people people tend to go through the EHS program more because it's all online. When it comes to IH, you have to be in person to take those lab classes. And not most people seeking an IH are not like <laughs> living with their parents or don't have a job. Most of them they're already well developed with their life and so they can only attend at night. And that's sometimes a struggle. Imagine working like eight, nine hours a day to then go to school and then repeat the next day. Um, so maybe people were just not attracted to that. Or maybe the people seeking it were not really interested in those aspects. But at least for me, what the only way it intrigued me was because of the hands-on analytical aspect of it. That's, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's what keeps the difference between EHS and IH. So I wanted to do that extra, <laughs> um, extra step instead of going into EHS and then maybe going for my PhD in IH or something else. I was, I was like, I need to jump the gun, go straight ahead and learn every aspect of this before I may not like before anything worse happens or before I'm able to. Sorry, I, re... <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, I'm I marked sorry. it. We can get rid of it. Don't worry. <laughs> but, but, um, basically I wanted to just seek further information rather than just keeping it short and sweet and straight to the point, because I'm not just a, 
an online learner, that doesn't really help me. I'm a visual learner as well as a hands-on learner. And those aspects help me put into perspective all the intricacies behind EHS because the data tells you everything. It tells you how you need to report, what do you need to assess, what do you need to anticipate or evaluate or control for your workplace. So I felt like that was necessary for me to have the overall range of the program. But going back <laughs> to just um, USF and their advising, it I did not feel prepared well enough to make an educated guess in what direction to go. I needed professionals within the industry to tell me what direction best fit me and my endeavors based on my background. Um, so, because I, I feel bad for saying it, but most people, when they hear industrial hygiene, they think dentistry. I've had multiple people say, are you trying to be a dentist? <laughs> trying to be a dentist? Are you I'm like, the word industrial should put you into perspective of what industry I'm trying to go into. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I always like to ask people. I used to. I, I kind of don't anymore. But I say, you know, tell me what you think when you hear the word industrial hygiene. It'll send me some guy in an industry setting with like a, a Tyvek suit on sweeping the floor. Or, you know, you know, a picture of a dentist, as you said. So it's, it's, a, it's a field that not many people realize is out there, but it's an important field. You know, if, if you're exposed to the OSHA part of it, you know, OSHA has identified industrial hygienists as those people who can quantify what exposures are and determine the degree of risk from exposure to those mm -hmm. types of uh, substances, chemicals, biologicals, what have you, whether it's a qualitative or quantitative risk. And not many people understand that that ability is out there. So that's, I think it's important that you are, have, have caught on to that. And it's, I'd like to, again, use this information to disseminate, uh, to say, listen, this is where you can be as, a, you know, how you get that path there. And if someone is, you know, has a child that's maybe right. getting graduate, graduating high school or even in an undergraduate program for public health, there are other options. So one thing I'd like. And I, one thing, oh, sorry. Good. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to mention with the IH that should be talked about more and should be recommended more at universities is that this is an entrepreneurship path. Because if you have the credentials, the competency to run your own business, because you have a full understanding of the regulations and standards and policy within an industry, I it's a great opportunity to be your own boss too. Oh, I, I completely agree. So one thing I wanted to ask you a little more about is uh, you, you stated you are, are, are from Puerto Rico. You came here when you were nine or ninth or 10th grade. Um, did you encounter any challenges uh, from the, I'll say, culture shock or, or, or whatever coming over here from your background to uh, getting used to um, America and the system here, et cetera? So I'd like to get some more information from you on that. Yeah. Um, first of all, the language barrier is definitely key because, as you know, Spanish and English, everything's backwards. <laughs> so me getting my point across was sometimes hard just because of the sentence structure or the way that I'm I 
tend to describe things rather than using a word because in English, there's a word for everything. Um, <laughs> so that, that was definitely a, a struggle to portray my leadership and my authoritative um, personality to a group whenever I can't even decipher words correctly. <laughs> so that, that was very hard at the time. And as well as being five feet and a woman with an accent in a male dominated industry manufacturing facility kind of made me go to be more of a masculine figure just because there were certain incidents where I had to go to HR because of certain comments. Um, but again, it's just the type of industry. These are people that go straight from high school or are most likely immigrants or are um, struggling with money. And this is the only job they were able to have. And then there's professionals within that industry. So you have everyone with engineering degrees or um, safety professional degrees. So it's a very awkward stage for me because I don't have the experience and for being a woman, they don't take me serious. Um, so that was a struggle in, again, putting and creating this authoritative personality of myself because I'm very friendly. Um, I'm not as confrontational, but these situations made me learn and become that person in an, in an appropriate way. You know, not, I don't, I don't have to be rude or mean about it. Um, but it's being assertive and confident within myself. So it, I think it's normal. I think everyone goes through those um, processes at some point in their life. It's definitely something hard and did not expect it at the time, but it is part of the work culture. So those were the kind of initial challenges that you kind of faced getting into this field, getting into the the occupational uh, side of exposure science. Was there anything as far as, um, you mentioned HR. Were there any problems or any uh, issues, you know, finding jobs for what you were looking for, getting jobs? How how were you, you know, how did you find your first entry beyond just I'll say internship kind of roles or or, or kind of working while you're in your your bachelor uh, undergrad time? How did you I'll say break that barrier to get into this full time? Correct, because. For me, I started as a 25-year-old IH. Most of the time, people who are IHs are in their 40s because they first became an EHS, have five years of experience to obtain their CIH certification. So that was a challenge within itself because when I was applying for these jobs, um, they were looking for someone for, with a certification in either CSP, so safety professional or CIH, or they were looking for someone with five years of experience. And I think every college student struggles with this. Like you're trying to find a job and they're seeking people with experience. <laughs> um, so the way that I was able to kind of maneuver that was thanks to the NIOSH ERC grant, because honestly, thanks to them, the Sunshine ERC, um, I was able to participate in a lot of conferences and that networking opportunity, that transfer of business cards and having that one-on-one -on -one conversation, have those elevator speech ready. 
<laughs> because it definitely helps you put you on the market. And sometimes I had like printed out resumes, even though it wasn't a lot, it was just one page, but I still had it ready to demonstrate someone like, hey, this is my education. This is what I'm seeking. This is my background. Um, because at these conferences, OSHA and other organizations are hiring on the spot. So it's a great opportunity to kind of put yourself out there. And networking, IH world is so small and not really into like if you go to the national conference, but we are a very like close knit group. And if someone knows about you, most likely that person is going to transfer you to somewhat somebody else. But these conferences and these IH groups are very close knit. And so if you network with them, you can communicate with one person and that person will kind of like spread the word about you and just let them know like, hey, I know this person seeking a job or hey, I know this person hiring. Mm -hmm. And the same prospect is used on LinkedIn. So how I got hired in the first or I hired in the first two internships that I ever done was through LinkedIn, just applying for nearby jobs and looking for their prerequisites that matched, um, specifically internship because I had no experience. And so I wanted to prepare myself because I noticed this issue. So um, I wanted to have at least a little bit of background so I can argue why they sh why this company should hire me. And then for this last one, so me working at the agency level for NASA, um, I, <laughs> my professor at the time, uh, he no longer is with us, but I'm very thankful for him. He, Stephen Malneric, he, he connected me with Bart Geyer and they were currently looking for an IH specialist assistant to be part of the group. And he sent, Dr. Malneric sent out an email asking, hey, is anyone interested? And I was the first one to jump because no one else wanted to move to the East Coast of Florida. <laughs> But I was willing to move because in this industry, honestly, you have to be willing to move to seek better opportunities. So from networking, from knowing your professors, so to creating these dynamic friendships, all those challenges kind of dissipate. Um, because within this industry is who you know, and then you show them like, this is how knowledgeable I am. This is how much of an expert I am. This is how I can improve and help you improve your EH programs at your workplace. Um, so definitely be friendly. <laughs> no, I, I think networking is a, a great way to do that. And I encourage everyone to, I mean, network as much as you can. You know, one thing, uh, you know, have your information available. In the digital age, everyone wants digital business cards and all this stuff. Have paper cards. People. Older folks still use paper business cards. If you're in your bachelor's or you're in graduate school, print out business cards that say, you know, university, whatever, and have your information in contact because you can say you're a student exactly. there. You know, just have something for them to grasp onto. It's a memory for them uh, to have that. Uh, digital is great, but having something physical is even better. Like you said, you carried around your resumes. You know, years ago, I would send out to my, my resume or hand it out. A lot of people are like, nobody holds these anymore. But there's one person who may hold on to it and say, I remember this person. I want to give them a call. Networking, I think, is a great 
way that I encourage you to do it as much as you can. Go to mixers, go to social events, go to conferences. I, I think it's great. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, I think that's one thing that we've kind of missing, missing in our virtual world. Uh, hopefully it's coming back. Uh, but even for like the online kind of programs, it's very hard to know your classmates, your students, even if they have like a once a month online thing, go to it, meet people. You know, I think that's a great way. And as you mm -hmm. said, uh, it's a great thing to do because there are connections you're going to find and you can lean on them at some point in the future. And my cohort, honestly, was the best cohort. Our professors liked us so much. They were like, we've never seen a group so interactive. And we were the biggest. And we were seven. <laughs> biggest whole cohort. And we were only seven. Um, but we always helped each other out. We, Whenever we saw a job offer, we would send it to someone else. Like, hey, I can't really do this. But if you're interested, check yeah. it out. Um so we we always supported each other and wanted the best and we're we all I can tell you currently all of my cohort has an IH role. That's awesome. That's great. So I'm very That's happy. That's great. So I mean it's great to hear that everyone supported each other and you got the role that you wanted. You know, the whole goal is to work yeah. in the field that you are going to school for and and there are Plenty of opportunities for industrial hygienists. Like I said, something like you said, sometimes you're going to have to be willing to move somewhere else or willing to accommodate what their requests are uh, because uh, of mm -hmm. the nature of the job. So exactly. speaking of the nature of the job, could you, in, in what detail you can supply, kind of discuss your role at NASA and what you do, I'll say, on a daily basis or what your goals are or, or what you're doing at the Space Center? Yeah, so um, I work at the agency level. So KSC is my home base, but it's they're not my boss, and we're not like it's we're a separate entity. We are just based there. Um, I work under the office of chief health and medical officer, um, but my manager is the senior environmental health officer, and <laughs> we. We facilitate all standards and policies within all 14 NASA sites. So my role is to learn all these different 14 personalities and accommodate them <laughs> um, and provide them uh, recommendations as well as keep keeping them up to date with the policies and standards from OSHA, CDC, NIOSH, any grand federal regulation that happened. Um, we have our own NASA standards. So that is also separate. And we, anything that was not touched based under the OSHA regulations or NIOSH, we create the standard to provide them further assistance and further details and um, on what to do in certain scenarios. So we have an, an all EH section where we touch base on biosafety, ergonomics, hearing conservation, asbestos. Just anything that has not been mentioned, because we we do not want to just copy paste. We want to help mm -hmm. guide them. Exposure science covers a broad subject area, including toxicology, industrial hygiene and risk assessment. From occupational, community or environmental exposure, exposure scientists apply scientific methodologies to understand exposure risks and apply controls when necessary. We at Exposure Assessment Consulting have this expertise. Please reach out to us at info at exposureconsulting.com 
for a free 15-minute consultation to discuss the specifics of your exposure scenario. As well as um, we uh, on my my OH group, we do on-site audits. So in a way, we kind of function as like OSHA citations, but we're helpful. We're not finding them. <laughs> we're preparing them just in case of um, there's a certain situation going on and OSHA has been called and they're going to be evaluated. It's just for them to be prepared. Um as well as to upkeep and maintain their standards on all of their policies as well as uh, programs. Because our ultimate goal is to have quality and consistent EH programs throughout all of our EH uh, or all of our NASA sites. And we also have tend to attend to um, facilita- facilitating working groups. So we bring in professional speakers from, again, professional organizations, OSHA, NIOSH, or professors, and you were also one of them, um, to our working groups specifically for hearing conservation, asbestos, ergonomics, indoor uh, environmental quality. And we just focus on providing them and facil- providing them information, insights, um, valuable knowledge for them to implement or improve or create in, for their EH programs, um, so it it goes it goes very into depth. Um, I think the hardest part is just this is a multi contract organization, so we consistently have to function on the standards for that specific state for that specific NASA site compared to all of mm-hmm. the other ones. Um, like California, they have the OSHA Cal. They have their own state laws. They have the NASA standards. It's it's very it gets very intricate and very um, political in certain aspects. So we are just trying to maintain those collaborations, those connections, and making them um, making them the best that those centers as best as they can to be the. Um, to have the appropriate information to run their EH programs. So then this led to me leading another group, which is the Early Career and Young Professionals Working Group. Um, And this is our attempt in providing, in retaining and attracting young professionals into NASA, as well as creating an environment for, for competency growth, for knowledge growth, for career development, uh, professional development, and other skills, for for us to continuously improve the quality and consistency of our EH programs. Um, so it, it's I've it's a management role. I would say <laughs> I went from doing a lot of hands on work to mitigating. Uh, policies and policy changes and standards and a lot of research and a lot of reporting and a lot of um, just understanding why certain things need to be implemented in certain areas to prevent future incidents, etc. So it's more (laughs) bookwork rather than hands-on, but I genuinely enjoy it because I think this is the background knowledge I need as a professional to fully embed myself into the IH world and my role as an industrial hygienist to 
make accommodations and make good, um, arguable points for me to go on the, for me to provide for IHs at other centers. Because one thing that I've noticed is that IHs are salespeople. (laughs) You are consistently selling your services to your own organization. Um, There's a lot of finances that come into play. So at the end of the day, you need to be able to confidently argue your stance as to why a budget should be adjusted for X, Y, and Z reason to benefit this EH program. Um, So it's, I'm a little bit of everything (laughs) currently in my role. I'm a little bit of everything. And I think I have very knowledgeable mentors that have guided me in a lot of ways throughout this process and they have not let me down and I'm very happy. That's great. That's awesome. So based on what you described and, and, and working across multi-sites and, and, and dealing with, uh, I'll say different levels and different perspectives of people within the agency, uh, have you faced any uh, unique challenges uh, that you can think of or something you said, you know, not normally would industrial hygiene hygienists maybe face this in a typical scenario or just something that you thought was kind of unique in your own scenario? I think the most unique thing is at KSC, um, the crawler. So there's a lot of hearing conservation efforts at Kennedy Space Center and I did not realize the extent of the PPE and policies and mitigation strategies to prevent hearing loss because we're consistently monitoring or not we because I'm not part of it, but the Comet contract at Kennedy Space Center has had to deal with STSs and regarding hearing hearing loss. Um, so when it comes to the crawler, one thing that they were struggling with is communicating and also preventing hearing loss. So they've developed these devices and for, I think I'm correct, but with 3M, I, I believe the crawler kind of initiated this um, initiative and they were able to develop these earmuffs and headphones where you can, it kind of kills the sound around you and only picks up human voice. So you're able to communicate in these high noise areas and provide proper instructions and information because at the end of the day, the crawler is a massive instrument and injury and can happen at any moment if you're not paying attention. So being part of the process, not per se, like the determination of everything, but being part of the process of analyzing that whole scenario was quite interesting and intriguing. And it made me realize that this is not your typical um, nine to five job at a random manufacturing facility. We're working with rockets. We're working with heavy machinery. We're working with a lot of equipment and instrumentation that you're, typical manufacturing facility doesn't have and it's all for the goal to go to space um so it's quite interesting overall the kind of projects and 
assessments they conduct. <laughs> and, and just 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 for clarification purposes, from those that are, uh, I'm in Central Florida. I uh, vaguely familiar with operations over there. Could you detail what the crawler is for those who may not be familiar? Yes. Um, so the best way to say it in simple words, it's the machine that carries the rocket to the launch pad. Um, so I'm trying to think of the size, but just imagine like four semi trucks combined together side by side for, um, or in distance wise. And it, I believe it was considered the, the, the slowest moving vehicle. I think it goes like two miles per hour, very slow machine. Um, doesn't really go that fast. You can find more information about that online. Sorry if I'm wrong, <laughs> but it's, it's quite, but it, it can be, it's quite large and moves slow. And it is the loudest machinery that exists at Kennedy Space Center. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So, you know, I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of different, as I say in the consulting world, a lot of balls in the air and you have things you have to manage at certain times and emergencies. So. What what have you identified is is an early career individual in this you know f- finish, finishing grad school maybe working while you're in grad school worrying about a job getting that job finishing school finishing your thesis you know what 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 have you identified as the best way to balance work and life and 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 kind of let go of some of the stress that you're dealing with uh, during all these processes so. First things first, when applying for a job, please let them know you're seeking a degree. Please let them know that you're still studying and provide them with the length of time. Like, when are your courses? When are you taking these courses? Um, Because they they will highly likely, I don't know if every place, but they will highly likely understand and sometimes hire you even though you're still pursuing your degree. Um, the only thing you need to do is just argue why you're an ass. you would be an asset to their, um, organization as well as how can you, how is you working for them going to improve what they already have? And so as long as you can show those points, you're, you still have a chance, but these people think that going into these work, um, these work areas, these jobs, they expect the worst and they're assuming like, Oh, I'm not going to get the job because of me still studying. That's not correct at all. Go for it. Just let them, let them know that you're still seeking a degree. But I, I believe that the best route to have this, this most successful um, experience with work, school, and ever and life is start off with the degree that you want. Look into internships so you know what you want. Um, don't just go for the first thing that's available. Oh, I think I like this. No, that's why internships exist for three months. You can try out multiple different areas and be a well-rounded individual, and then you you can make a a determination in what route you would prefer to go. Um, I was a safety engineer for another manufacturing facility. I was in EHS and now I'm in policies and standards. Like there's multiple areas to IH world. Um, so I definitely recommend taking some 
internships or some courses or look up a, a couple of YouTube videos and just get a full understanding of what route you want. But never forget to just decompress. <laughs> People think work, work, work is always like school, work, sleep, eat, like repeat the next day. Always try to find some time to just do something you love. For me, that was painting. Um, there was a certain point where I started selling my paintings for fun. Um, I would get commission and I would just paint for enjoyment. And that was kind of my way of de-stressing because the weight of the world is a lot. <laughs> Especially as a college student, you feel like everything is just falling over you and you have no idea where you're going. Um, and anxiety is a thing. Depression is a thing. So be aware of your mental um, mental health as well as take the time to go outside, work out, go for a walk. You do not need to be lifting heavy, power lifting or any of that. Just take a few moments to relax your heart rate and dedicate time to your body because a healthy body means a healthy mind and you can take on whatever you want because nothing is impossible. It just takes time. And there has been a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the world like Tesla, Microsoft, Apple, that it was in their 40s when, when they figured everything out. So I think we're stuck in this mindset of I'm in my 20s. I need to figure out. I need to be married. I need to have a job. I need to have a house. And in today's society, that's a little bit hard. So instead of just putting pressure on having everything figured out in your 20s, just take it one step at a time, and it's okay to have it figured out in your 30s or 40s. Um, everything is a process. Enjoy the journey. Don't rush it because it's going to fly by super quick, and you're going to miss out on a lot of things. No, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I th I've, I've seen people who want to hurry through everything, and it may, it, getting the experience to handle those scenarios and situations that are stressful, I think is very helpful because there may come a time and point where, you know, you're looked at for advice and you may not have it. And what do you do? You know, you were, you're the expert in that area. And if you did not, I'll say mentally and physically prepare yourself for that scenario, you know, it will add, just add stress to your life. So I, I think taking time for yourself is, is vastly important. And uh, I'll say early career or mid career uh, for myself. Yeah. So, and that's one thing I wanted to mention too. Sorry for interrupting. Um, one thing was when it comes to your job, uh, just be aware that not taking every task that is given to you is the best um, scenario or best idea. If you feel overwhelmed with everything else, just take the time and explain it to your mentor, like, these are the projects I can take on right now. These are my plans for the future projects. And just take it one step at a time. I know that everyone's perspective is to show off, be a leader, take on multiple things. And that is good. But being overwhelmed can sometimes bring down your product, bring down your efforts. And 
you're probably giving only 80% rather than giving 120%. And I would rather have 120% perfect work or not. Don't strive for perfection, strive for excellence. And that's what my, <laughs> my mentor currently always tells me. Um, and I've just carried that with me the whole entire time because it's true. Perfectionalism isn't always okay. Gives you more anxiety and stress. Take everything one step at a time. So I just wanted to end sure, it no, I appreciate that. <laughs> that. So you you brought up how to deal with things and moving forward. So as far as your uh, I'll say short and long term career goals as again as an early career individual, have you thought about where you'd like to be in five years or where you'd like to be in ten years? Do you mm-hmm. think of those terms, or you just think of milestones you'd like to hit? And then say, you know, don't stick by the five and 10 year thing. Say, I can do that in eight years or 12 years. How, how do you right. deal with those kind of forward thinking for your career down the road? So when it comes to NASA, there's two roles that you can kind of seek within NASA, and that's being a civil servant or being a contractor. Um, so because of my age and where I'm at in my career, this is the perfect time to start thinking about that and what direction I want to go. Um, if I want to be a civil servant, there's certain steps that I need to take and classes and courses and um, programs, et cetera, that I need to participate in and attend to qualify to be a civil servant. So I'm still in that stage trying to figure out which route I want to take because when it comes to contractor, it's kind of a little bit of a high risk because contracts end and the management might switch to a different contract and I may or may not stick around. It's dependent on whoever else, who's the next person to take on that mm-hmm. contract, if they want to keep the same personnel or not. Um so it's a little bit of a high risk, but sometimes it can be higher pay job. So I'm taking it step by step. Um, I believe this, I've only been a year with them. So I'm waiting till when I'm closer to the end of my contract to kind of make the determination of what route I want to take. Um, but there's also other opportunities that attract me. <laughs> and that is working for either the U.S. Army, um, because there's a lot of IH opportunities to go overseas, and I would like to experience living in a different country. Um, but that's my personality. I really enjoy traveling, and I enjoy um, just experiencing other cultures and meeting new people. So, and from my background, my father is Army veteran. So I'm kind of used to the dynamic and the personality. Not everyone is okay with the army um, <laughs> uh, grunge and like how hard working they are. And they like, th- you have to unlearn everything that you've learned and learn it their army way. So it will be quite intriguing, but I'm kind of used to that kind of background. Um, so I'm just taking it one step at a time and hopefully, um, through prayer, I see a path opening for me and I would continue to step towards that path because right now it's still the beginning of my career and every decision that I make is for the betterment of my career. Um, I can't stay somewhere for the benefit of someone else. I have to focus on myself and that's the mentality that I have currently. 
Um, I love my job. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love NASA and everything that NASA does. Um, I, it's great to be part of a, an amazing group, but that thought is still behind my head because I have to focus. Sure. On no, myself. I mean, it makes complete sense. I, I think, but you know, uh, and the next question I'm going to ask you is, is kind of thinking of your, uh, of yourself as well, but how yourself can give after obtaining this. So have you thought about becoming a certified industrial hygienist, a CIH? Yes. Um, I've thought about it. I just need more experience to take the exam. <laughs> so, um, that is in, in the horizon. Um, I'm thinking hopefully in two years or so, but that, that is the downfall of getting my master's degree. So young specifically in IH. age, um, but there are other certifications that I can take like the CSP. Um, but I've been told that if you take the CIH, you kind of um, don't have to take half of the CSP. So it's they. I've heard from people wait till you take the CIH and then take the CSP. So it's a little bit complicated. Um, but there are certifications that I'm looking into um, just to get, kind of give myself credibility within this industry because that is key to make yourself known. Um, if I don't have something specific, like I'm an asbestos expert or hearing conservation expert, I need to build credibility through certifications. No, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I, I highly recommend CSP for everybody who's, who may wonder certified safety professional. Uh, I, I highly recommend you, you as an early career individual obtain certifications, especially if they're free. A lot of times through universities, they'll offer kind of uh, classes, uh, continuing education classes that you can participate mm-hmm. and you'll get kind of a certification uh, in either kind of hearing conservation or something else. I highly recommend you take those free classes. Not a lot of people know about them. When I was at the ERC, we tried to um, send out that information to all the different groups. If any students wanted to participate, it was free for the students. It cost the participants money. Mm-hmm. Students got free access. If there's free access to classes, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend you take them because, you know, that is going to help you way far down the road. Yes, I was able to, um, through the NIOSH ERC grant, I was able to attend a seminar for industrial ventilation and I did not have to pay a dime. They paid Perfect. for everything. And they gave me this industrial ventilation, a manual of recommended practice for design. Um, there was also the second book, which is the industrial ventilation, a manual of recommended practice for operation and maintenance, which is the second edition. So all of these resources were given for free because of the grant, as well as if you attend these conferences, some of these, uh, booths around the conference give you free CIH equation practice as well as the ASP exam essentials and they have CSP as well. So there are opportunities for continuing education um, and sometimes even your job does uh, covers all the costs for these same activities. So do not be scared to ask. No, I, I, no don't be <laughs> scared to ask. Exactly. Because it is to be, to build your, it's for professional development. And if it's going to better them to have you as a more knowledgeable expert in their organization, of course, they're going to do it. Um, so please take the time to 
for continuing education, search certifications, and just saying you're keep yourself up to date with whatever's new in the industry. Well, I think that's a great idea. There's lots of ways to keep up uh, on what's going on. I think that's uh, knowing what's going on, I think will benefit you if you're applying for jobs or, you know, in your interviews for jobs, because you can speak knowledgeably about current events or current issues. Uh, it, I think with any type of profession, uh, from the exposure science, industrial hygiene, toxicology, there is always continuing and furthering your education and knowledge. And I think that's what is important for the early career individual is, you know, learning does not stop when graduate school ends. It's just the door that opens further learning and further information. So I think that's great uh, advice uh, for those early career individuals. So as we end today's program, I'd kind of like to ask you if there's uh, any um advice, uh, overall advice that you can uh, offer to those early career individuals or people who are applying for jobs now or maybe finishing up grad school in the spring, um, what kind of uh, overall kind of thought can you provide to them as a conclusion to today's program? Yeah. I would say trust your gut, trust your instincts. Um, Most of the time they're right. (laughs) Please try to get involved with an association in a leadership role. Thanks for me being part of the Florida AIHA local chapter section. Um, I was able to run for a certain position, so I'm hopeful that I am able to obtain that position. But that is also my way in still being involved and continuing education because they have a PDC um, uh, day, which is the Thursday of the conference overall. So it's a great opportunity to just get involved and network and get to know more people. Um, Ask questions. If you do not know, or you don't have an answer at that moment, sorry, ask questions (laughs) whenever you don't know the answers. But also, if you do not know the answer, please do not hesitate to take a step back and just let them know, give me a few days or a few a few hours, whatever you need, and I'll get back to you. That is way more professional than you saying something that <laughs> is completely incorrect um, because that is key. You need to keep it professional. Um, always do your research. So that whenever you take that time, do a thorough research because people will come back and say, but what about this policy? Why didn't you mention this? So try to get all of your notes and documents in order. Um, Make it a last resort to talk to your senior management. Go to your mentor first. Don't react on emotions. React on logical thinking and rational thinking um, because you don't know if certain actions may trigger your downfall in that specific career. Um, And I'm just being honest (laughs) and be well educated at the end of the day when like presenting your reporting or presenting a presentation regarding a certain topic to your organization. Um, Try to look into every aspect of what you're going, of what you're presenting, because 
IHs are very knowledgeable <laughs> experts and someone will call you out. This is the number one group <laughs> that will call you out. Um, and always just put your best foot forward. Um, always have the best intentions and be friendly and never, never give up. That is one thing being an industrial hygienist, never give up because there's always an answer. So just continue to conduct tests and samples and you will figure out an answer for it. And that is it for me. Awesome. Liza, that is great advice. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Exposure Scientist Podcast. We really appreciate your insight and your information. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Go Bulls. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Exposure Scientist Podcast. You can connect with us at our website, ExposureConsulting.com, where you can book a private consultation and send in any questions regarding any episodes or our guests. See you on the next episode.